Good afternoon. This is Kelly Miller, and I'm here with Joseph Gregory, and we have three market surprises to share with you today. And we're also going to do a restaurant review at the end of the three surprises. We are sitting here at my kitchen table, and we're having pina coladas, and we are enjoying the end of the work week on a Friday at five. And we want to share with you three surprises. And Joseph is going to start us off. Everybody say hello to Joseph. Hey, Joseph. <laughs> hey, Kelly. <laughs> <clears throat> Joseph is a um, uh, an extraordinaire of um, stocks and bonds and market trends and investing, financial planning, and all things related to cash. <laughs> and so, Joseph, um, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and about your first surprise for the market. Yes. Yeah, so thank you, Kelly. And it's good to be here on Friday night having fun with pina coladas. And so I uh, run an investment firm for the last 20 years, and it's out of Charlotte, actually. And so tonight we're going to talk about three different surprises that I think we're going to see uh, coming up with the economy and some of the markets. And so the first surprise that we're going to talk about tonight relates to the economy. And so right now, Kelly, everybody's expecting the economy to continue to boom like it's been doing. About a week and a half ago, last week, we got a strong employment report where we had a lot of job creation and the unemployment rate dropped more than people were expecting, kind of indicating very healthy uh, conditions in the labor market. And so that's very encouraging. But the labor market tends to be more of a lagging type indicator. And so what we want to do is we want to look at some of these leading indicators to kind of indicate what might be on the horizon coming up. So the first surprise is that the economy in the next few months is likely to start to slow down in the midst of this strong labor market. And so that I think um, we will see to kind of filter into implications on the real estate market as well as the economy begins to kind of slow down. And I think that's going to catch some people off guard and, and, um, and kind of, uh, be something that's unexpected right now. Right. Thank you for that. And when I hear you say these things, it makes me think about uh, supply will catch up with demand, which will help buyers and sellers, because let's face it, if you sell your house, you need somewhere to go. And I have talked to some people who've shared with me, Kelly, I'd love to sell my house, but I don't know where I would go. Um, and that might help people uh, in the in the near future figure that out if they still, in fact, want to sell. And it seems like um, that the balance in the real estate market uh, will be created, more of a market, I mean, more of a balance will be created from supply and demand um, because things will even out a little bit between the buy and the sell. And it will reduce the um, fire, the drills that we go through when some, a house is listed and there might be anywhere from five to 25 offers on, the, on a price uh, a house that's priced really well and it's ready to take off and we get into bidding wars. 
So I'm excited to hear this for the buyers and the sellers so that we can see the demand uh, lessen a little bit because we have more supply and there'll be uh, more opportunity for people to get what they want when they make their bids on their homes. Yeah. And so I, I think the good, the good news is, is that right now <clears throat> there's no indication of, of the economy going into recession or anything like that. It's more of just kind of a, a slowdown. And so I think like what you're saying, Kelly, is correct that the housing market will likely kind of normalize uh, in the next uh, few months or we'll start to see you know more indications of that. That's great. I think that's great news because fire drills are a lot when we are buying and selling houses with clients. It'll be nice to do it at a, a little more relaxed pace. Still, time is of the essence, but it's not uh, a panic, almost a panic-driven uh, time of, of buying and selling, as exciting as it has been and as wonderful as it, as it has been. Yeah. So you want to go on to uh, surprise number two? Yes. So surprise number two is that this economic slowdown that we're likely to see emerge in the next few months is going to be primarily driven by the industrial side of the economy. And so that means uh, the manufacturing side, uh, more products and services, that sort of thing. And so the implication there is that um, a lot of these commodity prices that we've seen spike up and all the inflation fears will likely to moderate as well. And so we've already seen a lot of the commodity prices start to kind of drift down. Uh, some of them like lumber have come down a long way, uh, but we're likely to see, you know, prices with copper, with steel, you know, a number of these other commodity prices continue to drift lower. And there's been a lot of fear recently that they were going to continue to spike and that inflation was going to get out of control. So I think that that is likely to be good news as well for the real estate market. And Kelly, I don't know if you want to speak a little about that. Yeah, absolutely. So the way I read what you're telling me about commodity prices dropping, um, you know, at the height of the pandemic, you and I spoke about um, the commodity prices increasing. And at the very height of all of that, it was up 300%. And in the past, I'd say, what, three or four weeks, it's come down about half of that to put us about 150% over uh, what we were pre-pandemic, pre-COVID-19. So it's still uh, um, over what we were paying, but it's uh, much less than it was you know, three or four or five months ago. Yeah. And so I think that, uh, that there, you know, the commodity prices are not likely to come all the way down to where they were pre pandemic anytime soon, but the fears that we've seen out there with, uh, you know, among these builders, I think are, is likely to be good news for them as, as their cost will likely continue to drift lower. And then that will also be good news for the buyers because these builders have been passing along uh, to the, you know, along with the prices uh, to the buyers because of their, their costs going up. Right. I've talked to some builders in uh, Raleigh about uh, pricing homes that they're building and, and how these increases are affecting their uh, homes and their pricing of their homes. And the one builder I spoke to um, who was in a price range of about a $500,000 home, he said at that height of the pandemic, it was increasing the price of his home uh, build $80,000. So 
that's a lot to consider about how you how a builder is going to um, attack the square footage. Do we increase or decrease? Do we uh, change building supplies? How do what do we build the house out of? I spoke to one broker in Charlotte, and she said she was uh, had a client that was considering doing the whole house out of concrete to say because <laughs> lumber was so expensive. So uh, there's there's a lot of benefit to what you're saying about the um, consumables um, or these um, commodities uh, dropping so that we can continue to build homes at a reasonable price, um, you know, because the expense is not going to skyrocket just to build the home itself. Mm -hmm. um, so that's good for builders. And of course, that savings gets passed on to the buyers as well, because it makes it affordable for us to buy you know, get the most bang for our buck and customize homes that we want to have. So <clears throat> I think that it's a, it's a really good uh, thing to hear for our economy and for uh, real estate in particular for buying uh, and building homes, new construction or renovations to one's home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that will go into the remodeling as well. Mm -hmm. That's right. So the, the third surprise tonight is that because these commodity prices are likely to continue to uh, drift lower and the economy is likely to soften in the next few months. We're also likely to see interest rates stay more range bound when a lot of people right now are, are fearful that these interest rates may spike higher. Uh, and so if, uh, if we do keep these interest rates more in kind of this current range, they're still very low. Uh, that's also likely to keep mortgage rates down here around this level as well. And that will be helpful both for refinancing as well as the, the buyers. Well, that's the best news I've heard all day because it's important to um, keep those rates down. We've had some really remarkably low uh, mortgage rates in this past uh, 12 months, 12 to 18 months. Um, and I think everybody wants them to stay down. So hearing this is great news to, with the anticipation that they will continue to or drop further uh, than where they are. And the fact that that helps with refinancing, uh, that's always a wonderful investment in your property to go ahead and refinance if you can, uh, to bring that mortgage rate down so that you can pay that house off ASAP. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gotcha. Which is always a good thing. That's yeah. always a good thing. <laughs> so I also um, want to tell you that the restaurant we went to, uh, Joseph and I went to Asheville and we had dinner at Curate uh, with the chef Katie Buttons, who is just uh, nationally known. She is a Spanish uh, uh, foodie. She got her training, I think, and spent a great deal of time in Spain in her uh, restaurant uh, Curate offers uh, Spanish traditional food uh, with a very sophisticated flair. And um, you have to book well in advance to get into her restaurant. We went early in the, uh, the evening on a Tuesday and had a lovely meal. And it was uh, it's served tapas style, like little appetizers with just a handful of bites of each piece, each plate rather. And we got four different plates and... Um, well, one of them was more of an appetizer of olives, a wonderful selection of olives. And then we got three uh, more intense flavors of offerings. And I'm going to let 
Joseph talk about the first one? So the first one is uh, was what they call a blood sausage. And it's actually not really sausage, but it's rice that's cooked in pig's blood. Ooh. And so um, <laughs> it was uh, it was one of the more unique things on the menu, but we, we decided we definitely had to try it. And while it was very interesting flavor wise, it probably wasn't our favorite thing that we had though. Right. And I did enjoy it and it, it did, it tasted, um, it tasted like a fall day. They, the spices that were cooked in with the um, rice and the um, bath in which it was boiled, um, the blood, the pig's blood, mm -hmm. There was cardamom and some cinnamon and a couple of other spices, and they all had a real uh, rich fall taste to it, which was actually quite nice. And it was served with grilled onions, which were phenomenal. Um, and the, um, the the texture of the rice, um, I think it was sort of uh, deep fried more than boiled, but it, uh, it wasn't like crunchy fried. It just had a, a little coating on it, or it could have been pan sauteed. Um, it was, it was a nice texture. Everything about it was nice. It just wasn't our all time favorite. It wasn't mine. And as Joseph said, it wasn't his. And it also had a, a garnish of pine nuts and uh, microgreens. So it was a really beautiful presentation. And I will say Curate, all of their uh, dishes they served us had beautiful presentations and it was, it was remarkable. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure if, if you do like blood sausage, this would be a top rated one. And if anybody mm -hmm. here has spent time in Spain or has, uh, or knows a family, a Spanish family knows that this is a, a staple in every household and every family uh, loves it and prepares it. And there's, everybody has different nuances to make it their own, this recipe, their own or their family tradition. And it's a very important dish. And I'm, I don't mean to put too much fun at the cooking it in the pig's blood because mm -hmm. that adds a lot of flavor. And you think about things that we cook fat back and from the South and ham hocks and all these pigs feet. I mean, there's plenty of things we do in the South <laughs> that's comparable. So we're all making good use of our, our um, ingredients to make flavor. On to the next. We then jump into the sea and we had a calamari and that was phenomenal. It was uh, big pieces of calamari and a few of the tentacles and it was uh, grilled and it had a real smoky taste to it, uh, the grilled piece, and it was uh, dusted with a paprika and there was an olive oil sauce uh, that was uh, poured over the um, calamari on the plate. And then they served it with mashed potatoes. And, you know, in Spain is, um, I didn't, I've not spent time in Spain, so I don't know this for a fact, but I think, uh, you know, the, the potato is a strong vegetable. Uh, in Spain and in Europe in general, and the um, and it goes pairs so well with seafood. Um, it was a nice combination, and the paprika uh, intensified that smoky taste. And it was it was grilled. You could really taste the grill and the smoke in both the potato and the calamari. Yeah, and it was it was very tender. Mm -hmm. There were very big pieces of calamari, uh, but it was very tender uh, and and very well done. Yeah, I concur. And then the third dish we shared was the peas de resistance. Tell us, Joseph. Yes, yeah, so that was actually, uh, it was raw mountain trout, and it was served with fresh tomatoes and olives. And was that mix, mixed greens on top? Yes. Yeah. But it was, that was probably our favorite. 
and the the trout was exceptionally fresh and just really clean tasting uh not fishy at all uh it was it was some of the best uh raw fish i've ever had yes and it was locally sourced mm -hmm. in the mountains it was a mountain trout and the tomatoes were local and the tomatoes were pureed <clears throat> on the plate and so there was a real burst of flavor and there was olive oil and just a hint of seasoning and then the trout um was was there and i think there was some lemon juice involved here mm -hmm. as well and uh in a cerveche style and then it, there were black olives chopped on top but um it, it was superb it, and to jo joseph's point about how fresh the fish was that that really is what took it over at the top i think mm -hmm. um and the tomatoes it just everything was so fresh and it just was uh, it just a, was a sunburst in your mouth mm -hmm. of flavor yeah overall the whole restaurant experience was great the atmosphere was great mm -hmm. the the um the service was fantastic yes and uh just overall good experience it was. So it was we would recommend it. Highly recommend it. Call mm -hmm. and make a, or go online and make a reservation early. Mm -hmm. If you find out you're going to Asheville, um, immediately book your night. And then we're going out tonight. Yes. What are we going to do tonight? So we're going to go out here in Raleigh. And you want to tell us where we're going? Right. So Joseph's never been to pools. So we're mm -hmm. going to go to pools. We went down there today and made a reservation for six o'clock. And we thought we'd do this podcast between making the reservation and going to dinner. And we will tell you all about pools in our next podcast. And I will give you a teaser. I asked the, um, the uh, hostess or the host what was on the menu tonight. And she said there is a toma heirloom tomato and peach uh, dish with cornbread. And she didn't go into great detail of what that is going to look like. But I have a sneaky suspicion of what it's going to taste like. So we'll let you know. Mm -hmm. That sounds good. Sounds good. All right, everybody. Have a good weekend and we and have a good work week. If you get this on the other side of the weekend, we look forward to bringing you our next podcast. Take good care. Cheers. Cheers.